Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, a tool to help believers rediscover true biblical doctrine and to help them understand and live out their faith in their homes, in their churches, and in their communities. Thank you for listening to this episode. Let's get right to it. Welcome to this episode of the Doctrine Matters Podcast where I'm going to give you four reasons or four things that we should do as Christians as it relates to the government. In other words, how are we to interact with the government of our day? Now, this episode stems from something that happened in Luke chapter 20. And just a little bit of context before we get to these four things is the scribes and the chief priest have tried to catch Jesus multiple times. So they've asked him various theological questions all throughout the Gospels. And Jesus always answers correctly. So now Jesus is here at Jerusalem. It's the last week of his life before he dies. It's Passover week. So there are a lot of people that have descended upon Jerusalem and a lot of people that have surrounded Jesus. So Jesus is ultimately at the height of his popularity here. There's people hanging on his every word. So the, the Jew, Jewish leaders here recognize that they can't catch him in any theological answer or question up to this point. So they're going to be a little shifty and then ask him a political question. And this political question is in hopes of him saying the wrong thing and then being handed over to the Roman government because ultimately these Jewish leaders wanted Jesus to die. And we do know that ultimately Jesus dies, but at this point they want him dead, they want him gone because he's been a major disruption for them and especially the people here in Jerusalem now. So they seek to ask him a political question and really it all comes down to the question about taxes ultimately is they want to know should Jews or should we pay the tax that Caesar has put on us? Should we pay tribute to Caesar? That is the question. Ultimately, should we pay taxes? There were taxes put on the Jewish people that would ultimately cause some violent outbursts at times because some of the Jews thought that they were robbing from God money that belonged to him. So this was a very delicate question. Should we pay taxes to Caesar? So if you think about it, on one hand, if Jesus now says, yes, you should pay taxes to Caesar, he's going to lose all of his popularity, all of his influence, and and then all of those people are just going to go away. Uh, Kind of like what happened in in John 6, I believe it was, when he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. People just said, I'm done. I'm going to leave. I can't do that. That's weird. Uh, That's essentially what would happen here. His popularity would just go away because the Jews would be like, you're a traitor. Why would you tell us to give to the Roman government? Why give to Caesar what is Caesar's? And uh, if he said not to pay taxes, he would be seen as an insurrectionist, then handed over to the Roman government where he would likely be killed. Now, I think it's worth noting here that the Jewish leaders or any of the Jews could not carry out the death penalty, so they sent these spies in to ask him these questions or this political question in hopes of him saying the wrong thing, handing him over, he would be killed. But Jesus answers their question with one of the most famous sayings that he has ever put into words that we have in our Bible today. And that answer comes in Luke chapter 20, verse 25, when he answers their question, 
should we pay tribute to Caesar? Should we pay the taxes to Caesar? This is the government. What should we do? How should we interact with them? And Jesus asked for a coin, and when he gets it, he says to them in verse 25, uh, I'm sorry, verse 24 is where it starts. Show me a denarius whose likeness and inscription does it have? And they said Caesar's. So a coin, Jesus gets it. There's a coin on there. There's an inscription about Caesar and who he is, and there's also a picture of Caesar. So they say, well, Caesar is on the coin. And then in verse 25, this is what he says. He said to them, Then render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and the things that are God's render to God. And uh, I paraphrased that. I butchered that. So let me read that again. He said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. So, uh, they were looking for a yes or no answer, but Jesus perceives their craftiness and their wickedness and their hypocrisy in this question. So, he is, he is seeing that these Jewish leaders are trying to separate religion and politics or religion and the government, but Jesus brings these two together to where they are working together in harmony, so to speak, and he says, render to Caesar what's Caesar's. If, if, if Caesar needs the tax, if Caesar is requesting the tax, then you pay the tax. And whatever is requested of God, you do that. So that brings me to think through this on this episode of the podcast of what do we render to the government? Or Caesar is not God and Caesar is not the government uh, here in our day. And so we have the government, we have politics, we have so many things that we can look at and, and view from a biblical lens, but how are we to interact with those things? How are we as believers supposed to interact with the government? Well, I think that there are four major ways that we do that, and the, the number one way, and this is not going to be popular because it was not very popular in the day of Christ with the Jews when it comes to taxes. But the first way I believe that we should interact with the government and submit to the government and respond to the government is by paying our taxes. Now, I know there is a tax on everything. It's, uh, this should be a tax on breathing, it seems like, because the IRS seems like they're out to get our money. And the more they can get the better off they seem to be in their minds. And listen, you do not have to agree with taxes. You do not have to agree with uh, sales tax, property tax, all the type of taxes that are out there today. But I do believe that Jesus sets a precedent here that when he says render to Caesars what is Caesars, that we should render that tax just as the Jews were there in that day, render that tax to Caesar because Caesar had kind of this economic claim over their lives. And just as the government has an economic claim over our lives, we should give back to the government what they're requesting. I don't like it. You probably don't like it. But here's the reality. As I've heard professing believers say they're not paying their taxes. They're not going to do it. And I've heard professing believers, including myself, complain about having to pay taxes. But... Again, I think Jesus sets the precedent that whatever is the government's, give it to them, whether we like it or not. The Jews hated this tax. There are multiple taxes there, so much so that it created violent uprisings at times. So, the first way, I believe, pay your taxes. Let's look at this. Romans chapter 13, which over the last few years, especially with COVID, 
I feel like this has been a passage of Scripture that has been kind of taken out of context at times, but we're going to look at it here on this episode, and we're going to look at verse 1 of chapter 13 and verse 7. So let's look at verse 1. It says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So this is some comfort for us. When we think about the IRS and we think about taxes, the authority that they have over our lives was given to them by God. The 87,000 new IRS agents, whatever they're going to be doing, it doesn't look like a good thing. The authority that they have is going to be instituted by God. God is giving them the authority to do whatever they're going to do and handle anything they need to handle. This is nothing new under the sun. God is giving them the authority, so we should, unless, and we're going to get into this, unless the IRS or the government tells us to sin, we should be obedient to the Scripture and pay our taxes. Verse 7 goes on to say, Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed. So we see this in the Scriptures that we should pay our taxes. And remember, We are not being obedient to the IRS or the government here. We're being obedient to God as he tells us to pay our taxes. Now, I know that this is probably not going to be a popular thing amongst many brothers and sisters. And again, I can't stand all the taxes that we have to pay here in America. Or maybe if you're in some other part of the world, maybe you're paying a lot of taxes as well. But just remember, you're not submitting to the government. You are, but ultimately you are submitting to the God of the Bible, the God that we know and love and trust. So uh, I think that's the first way that we as Christians can interact with the government. And I think we can pay our taxes without grumbling or complaining. The Bible even teaches us to do all without grumbling or complaining. So I think that we can give our taxes in obedience to God's command without grumbling and complaining and all of those things. Now, the second thing that I believe, or the second way that we as believers can interact with the government is to pray for our leaders. Now, this is a big one. This is something that probably should even be number one, to be honest with you. But in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, we read this. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So, we see here that we are to pray for our leaders. That is for the President of the United States, whether you love him or hate him. Uh, I know that there is a lot of talk about the president, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I didn't vote for him, and I will not vote for him, nor will I vote for anybody that stands for abortion or promotes LGBTQ agendas, especially inside the church. I will not vote for anyone that really pushes or or gets outside of biblical orthodoxy on, on things like that. We'll talk about that here in just a second as well. But we should be praying for our president. We should be praying for our Supreme Court, our Congress, um, our, our governors, our mayors, our local law enforcement, anybody that has a position within the government or any other kind of leader, to be honest. That can get outside into teachers and coaches and, and parents, <coughs> excuse me, and things like that. But we should be praying for our leaders and we should be praying for them on a daily basis instead of criticizing them and tearing them down. 
There's a difference when we begin to pray for our leaders. And here's the number one thing that we should pray. That God would save them, that they would repent of their sin, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and lead from a biblical perspective. Not from a worldly perspective, but from a biblical perspective. And that they would stand firm on that biblical perspective and biblical worldview. When the world comes against them, they would remain steadfast in their faith in Christ and give all glory to God as they lead whatever capacity they may be in. Now, if we have believers in these positions, we should pray that God would sanctify them and that they would continue to lead from a biblical worldview as well and not be not waver or not uh, not be tossed to and fro by anybody that comes against them or anything that comes against them. So we should be praying for our leaders on a daily basis, not so much criticizing and insulting and talking about them because we are told by God to pray for them, whoever that may be. So I think, again, we are being obedient to God when we pray for our leaders. And I feel like, and I think, and I know that, Somebody might have some qualms with what I'm about to say, but I think that we can sometimes find ourselves being unbiblical and in sin by insulting and continuing to just go after politicians and, and government authorities. I feel like that we've crossed over into sin because the Bible doesn't tell us to do that. The Bible tells us to pray for them. So that's the second way we should interact with our government, and that's to pray for its leaders. The third way is practicing civil obedience. Now, we all watched the summer of 2020, I believe it was, or 2019, whenever it was, when, when George Floyd was, was killed, and then there were uprisings, and then there were riots and things like that. That was civil disobedience. Now, before you get on to me for just looking at one group, you can swing this pendulum all the way to the right, and you can see uh, far-right groups that are disrupting the civil realm, that they are being disruptive, that they are not submitting to Christ or His Word, that they are submitting to their own ideals and their own ideologies. And you can even swing that pendulum anywhere in the middle and find people that could be disobedient in the civil realm depending on who their candidate is or what they believe the government should or should not do. Now, there are many people that would say that they're people that are being civilly disobedient when they're standing outside of abortion mills pleading for mothers not to murder their babies. I would disagree in that. You can be disobedient. You can be a menace to society, so to speak. But standing in the gap for unborn babies and pleading for mothers to not kill their babies and, and preaching the gospel on the sidewalks is not civil disobedience. Unless the police come up, have a legit law, uh, you know, and even then you can push back and fight that because people are dying and going to hell, babies are being murdered. But I think that when we interact with law enforcement or anything like that, we have to be civil in our communication with them, not be belligerent, not be crazy, because here's the deal. The government is going to do things that we as Christians do not approve of. But there is a way to go about doing these things and changing these things that aren't being belligerent and being a menace to society. Excuse me. Um, we can stand and try to change laws. Again, we can stand at abortion mills. We can stand on sidewalks and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, we can stand against um, 
LGBTQ laws within the church and in the schools. We can stand against education and the way the government is leading down that road. But we do so again in a civil manner. So as Christians, as we interact with the government, even in things that we disagree with from a biblical perspective, I still think that we must be civil in our actions. That, that the moment we turn violent or, or anything else, that is the moment where we lose all credibility. And really we lose our testimony as we are standing for the things of God, not for our own things. So we must be careful not to act out in a disobedient manner in this civil life in which we live in. So that takes me into the fourth and final thing that I have in a way that we as Christians should interact with our government, and that is to participate in public life. One of the ways that we participate in public life is to push back on these laws that are against God's Word in a civil manner. We stand up for that. We participate in that. We don't just sit back and wait on somebody else to do it. We get involved. We get into the game, so to speak, and we do what we can to see God's Word trump what the government thinks or what the government wants. But we do so, again, in a civil manner, not an ungodly or violent manner. Another way that we can participate in public life is to take our right to vote serious. That we take what we know and we apply it to the voting booth. We That means we have to know what the candidates stand for, what they're for, what they're against. And listen, I know that every candidate is going to run on a, a Christian platform, so to speak. Most of them, at least, because they want to try to win the Christian vote. But don't just let somebody say, well, I'm a Christian or I go to church or things like that cause you to vote for them without knowing exactly what they stand for. Because there's many people that have run under the Christian name that have got godless policies and ideals. So you need to take your right to vote seriously. Don't be one that says, well, my vote don't count, because it does. Participate in public life and vote. Another way that you can participate in public life is you may be called to one of these positions within the government, a police officer all the way up to potentially the President of the United States. If God has called you to that, if that is something that God is leading you to do, do it and do it for the glory of God. That is exactly one way that you can participate. You can serve in our military. Do it for the glory of God. You can serve in many different functions and and places within our government. And if that is you, then do it for the glory of God. Be a light in the midst of darkness and stand on biblical conviction and biblical truth and be a light. Do it all for God's glory. Exalt Christ. Encourage one another. Maybe you encourage other brothers and sisters in your field to do the same thing and you would start to see a revolution take place within the midst of whatever position you find yourself in, whether that be military, law enforcement, or any part of the government. But stand firm and stand stand steadfast in the faith and know that you are making a difference and do it for the glory of God. Now, that is four things that I believe ways that we can interact as Christians with the government. Again, those are pay taxes, pray for your leaders, practice civil obedience. Again, I want to go back to 1 Timothy chapter 2 with the civil obedience part. Live a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So whatever comes to pass, you live a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Now, the fourth way is participate in public life. So uh, pay taxes, pray for your leaders, practice civil obedience, and participate in public life. Let's talk about this just for a second. What if the government tells you to sin? 
then we defy the tyrants, right? That is the moment we defy tyrants and obey God. Which, in all four of these things, we're obeying God anyway because God has told us to do these things in His Word. But when the government crosses the line and tells us that we must sin, then we must defy the government in that moment, but still in a civil, obedient way. But we must submit to God. God over government. Christ over everything. Christ is King. So if the government tries to tell us to sin, again, defy it. Civilly. Peacefully, but you do not do it. If the government says you got to shut down your church, stay steadfast. Keep meeting as the church. Open those doors because we have a right to worship Christ the way that we have been called to do so in His Word. So if the government tries to tell you you can no longer meet, you just got to keep opening those doors and just let it play out how it will. Continue to pray for your leaders and all those things. And a lot of that, a lot of stuff goes on with uh, if they tell you you have to sin. Um, so. Defy tyrants and obey God when it comes to the government trying to tell you to sin. But until then, submit to the government as you are submitting to Christ. Because we are being obedient to God and His Word when we are submitting to the government. Now, this is a topic nobody likes. The government, politicians, politics, it's all crazy, especially these days. But it's something that I believe we are told to do. Now, let's look briefly at the second half of what Jesus says when he says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God's the things that are God's. So, what are God's? And the simple answer to that is everything. Everything. Caesar, his kingdom was ruled by God himself. Um, Caesar belonged to God, although Caesar was not a believer. But God held the authority over Caesar, over his kingdom, over his money, just like God holds the authority over our government, over the IRS, over the law enforcement, over every aspect of the government. God has the authority over it. So we can't separate the two. The two are intertwined, and as we submit to the things that God has called us to submit to when it comes to the government, we are also giving God the things that are His, and that is His glory, our obedience, And we are exalting Christ and making much of His Word when we do that. But shifting outside of the political realm or the government realm, everything belongs to God. Our time, our money, our hands, our feet, our mouths, all of these things. Our politics belongs to God. Our houses belongs to God. Our vehicles belong to God. So we must use all of those things for His glory And in doing so, we are giving to God what rightfully belongs to Him. Ultimately, we are to give God glory, exalt Christ, and build up the body and encourage one another. So, those are the things that we should do as a Christian as we interact with the government. Now, I think the next episode is probably going to deal specifically with politics and how we as Christians are to interact with politics in and of itself because we live in a politically charged climate right now and I've seen many conversations I've been in many conversations I've heard many Christians speak one way or the other about our political climate our president uh, governors etc etc so uh, we're going to talk about what we should do as believers and how we should respond in light of this politically charged climate in which we live in today so until then I appreciate you guys listening And uh, I hope this has been encouraging to you. And if you have any other ways that you think we should interact with the government as Christians, please comment 
and uh, let me know. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Um, as always, you can email here the show, Doctrine Matters Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, love to hear your thoughts on that. I'd love to hear how we should interact with the government, whether you agree, disagree, or maybe you're even neutral. I don't know. Either way, uh, I hope this has been encouraging and I hope it's been challenging. I hope it's caused you to think a little bit if you are a believer. And if you're not a believer, I pray that you would repent of your sin and believe on the gospel. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that he came and he died, he was buried, and he rose again for your sin. And the Bible says if you repent and turn away from that sin and turn to Christ Jesus and confess him as Lord and Savior of your life, then you will be saved. So I pray that if you aren't saved, that you would repent and believe today. If you have more questions about salvation, feel free to reach out, Podcast at gmail.com. Leave comment, whatever you need to do. I hope to see uh, people be saved by this. I hope to see people sanctified and encouraged by this and uh, that this tool is used for God's glory. So until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in or watching if you're watching on YouTube. Until next time, God bless.